Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shane Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Welcome to Chain Attack. I'm your host, Trevor, and I believe Josh and I are probably the two worst pilots known to man. <laughs> um, I'm Jay, and I could I could probably give you a run for your money. Uh, I'm Josh, and, you know, one of my project managers says the most valuable lessons he learned recently is to fail fast, and Trevor and I are really good at that. <laughs> uh. Yeah, we, we should, uh, well, we'll let Jay talk about uh, things going on in Discount Games, but then we should interject a little bit of Sky Team into the rest of Board Game Geek. I agree, especially, I wish I had played it in especially real life. Especially because I had, I had like, mentioned Sky Team as like, hey, this has been really hot, it's at Gameopolis, and Josh was like, uh, get thee behind me, I do not care. <laughs> two-player game. I hate two-player games. I did say the what two-player an awful, game It's true. What an awful drug dealer you are. You should know <laughs> better than to you know, <laughs> offer two-player games to me. Uh, all these things happened. It's true, but two-player games are much easier in Board Game Arena than they are at home. So much easier. And that's fair. I re- I really do. Speaking of two-player games, uh, you know, I we we did the interview with Jason Matthews where he talked about Twilight Struggle, mm-hmm. and then he talked a fair bit about his new game at the time, Imperial Struggle. Mm-hmm. I've played it once, and I, I purchased said game with like the desire that I would find a companion that I would grind out multiple plays of said game with each other because it seemed it sounded like it would be the type of game that if either player is more familiar with the game than the other half that it was not going to be as fun for either player yeah i think that's true um but i have i've not yet availed myself of this opportunity um but i i am curious josh you said that you've played it once what is uh what's been your opinion of it um, it's not fair to compare it to Twilight Struggle, but Twilight Struggle is much more, um, elegant, mm. right? Like, uh, Imperial Struggle feels like it has kind of more fiddly bits to it. Okay. I, I would happily play it again, but it is a serious time investment. It, let me put it this way. If, if you were like, Josh, today all you can play is two player games and they've got to all be, you know, three hours or longer. I would want to play War of the Ring more than I would want to play Imperial Struggle. Okay. So interesting. That is the liminal space that I feel like it probably that it occupies. Okay. Um, 
news with Discount Games Inc. I don't I don't really have much other than we're getting to the end of the year. Uh, they have been Games Workshop has been doing a lot of popular new releases. They've changed their pre-ordering system. Uh, shoot me an email as soon as an item is previewed, and we will uh, I'll I'll make sure that you're taken care of. Get your items, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I I think we are on day two of uh, Board Game Geek Kong. We're on day one of Sky Team on Board Game Arena. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, interject <Excellent>. away. <laughs> so um, this has been sort of a hot game, and it's a, it's a two-player game, a two-player co-op game, um, where one player plays the pilot, one player plays the co-pilot, and you attempt to land a plane. And it has different scenarios um, that involve different obstacles you have to overcome. Um, and I have played the introductory scenario and beat it i am currently playing not the... with josh though right to be correct clear. correct not with josh with my wife um i have played the first regular scenario um four or five times at this point and have yet to beat it so and i don't know how many times that's probably four of those times are with josh the part we do, we do lose fast yes we lose quickly um we don't even get into like round three usually before we lose but the the game is you have a a control board that involves the uh the yaw and pitch of the plane you have the landing gear the um uh flaps um fuel usage the air traffic control and the distance from um the airport all these things are going on and you roll four dice each and then you're not allowed to communicate. Um, you, you are allowed to have minor communication prior to engaging the round. But once you've rolled your dice, basically, there's no more communication. You have to take one of your die on your turn and place it on one of the positions on the board and resolve it. Um, and there are several positions that require both members to put a die there before they complete. Um, is that a pretty good summary of... I think it's a great summary. The shtick about it, though, if you were playing this in real life, right, is you're not supposed to be able to communicate, like, verbally during the placement of the dice, right? Right. That's correct. Which is, is, which is That's why, easy to implement on BG Arena, but... Yes, which is why it works so well on BGA. Because, like, I mean, I can play my turn, and there's no there's no temptation to even communicate with my... <laughs> You my could technically co-pilot. send something in the chat box, you know. It's true, I could. Should be I, just I, dirty. I could send, I could send texts. But the, the, the flip side of that is that um, even, and this is, this is universally true with both uh, Josh and my wife, is even during the time period when we're, we're allowed to communicate, still don't. We just take our turns. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you're uh, say that you're bad team together. I know we shouldn't doubt ourselves so much, Jay. You're right. What? Uh, so, so I'm curious. Uh, as we've noted, this is a current hotness on Board Game Geek. Uh, why would you? say that that is the case what is what is the what's so special about what's the appeal yeah so well i think the theme is probably pretty unique to people co-op where you can't talk 
Um, yeah, and I, mean, I, I mean the theme of landing a plane together. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I'm saying that the, the, not just the theme, but the the style is unique as well. Yeah, I, you're right. Two player co-op, co-op is kind of unique, right? I've heard it. I can't remember um, an influencer that I uh, like. I think compared it to um, Captain Sonar. Like, hey, if you like Captain Sonar, but you don't want all the headache of you know setting all that kind of thing up, then why not try? Uh, Hmm. I wouldn't put those two together, but that's interesting. So, I, I do I do think that we would do better if we were communicating just a little bit. Hey, let, let's focus on getting this particular thing done or whatever. Um, yeah. To be fair, you take your turns a lot faster than my wife does, so um, I don't mind like <laughs> losing a bunch of times because we'll just move on to the next one, right? Um, my wife takes long enough to take her turns that if we lost the game that her and I were in, it would feel like a lot more lost time. But mm. I do think that in since I've never played it in real life, but um, um, yeah, I think I, it would be really interesting to experience that temptation, like you said. If only there was a game store that that was selling such a game and that recommended the purchase of such a game. Yes. <laughs> All right. On uh, return to the con, uh, there, Trevor. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to mention three short games that got played by me in the first couple of days. Well, me and my party. Um, so Marvel Remix is Fantasy Realms, um, but with Marvel characters and a, a slight addition. So if you don't remember, Fantasy Realms is everyone gets dealt a hand of seven cards. And then on your turn, you basically can draw a card and discard down to seven, or you can pick up one of the discarded cards and, again, discard down to seven. So you'll always have seven cards in hand. And the game ends when there are, when ten cards have been discarded, and you know the object is essentially to assemble the best hand of seven cards because you'll have cards that you know have special abilities, that combo off of other cards, that refer to symbols on other cards. So that was Fantasy Realms. So Marvel Remix does that with but with marvel characters and the other thing that's different is it has two decks it has the the main remix deck and a villain deck so you can choose to draw a villain or you can choose to draw just one of the, from the normal deck and at the end of the game in the marvel remix game you have to have you have to have at least one villain in your hand plus you have to have a hero or an ally in your hand right and so so those are the things that sort of separate it from fantasy realms um I, I enjoy both the games quite a bit. It, they're really good um, fillers, right? They just, you, you need something to do for 10, 15 minutes uh, that'll kind of make your brain think a little bit. You know, have I got have I got a deal for you? So um, another short two-player game that got played, we actually only played it on the plane as we were flying over, but it's Mind Bug. And I, I can't remember, Jay, has this one been on your radar? Have you been, already recommended it already just like... You did with Sky Team? Uh, I'm not sure I have. Okay. So Mindbug is the latest offering from Richard Garfield. It's a two-player game. Um, it's interesting because, I mean, it's kind of a CCG, but it's not collectible. It all comes in, you know, the whole game's in one little box. And it's like, on your turn, you play a card. Each person has two mind bugs. I think it's two. It might be three. Anyway, and you can, when your opponent plays a card, you can mind bug it, which means you take the card as though you had played it instead. And so it's this weird, like, head game of, did my opponent just play their most powerful card and I should take it? Or, you know, did my um, 
is he just trying to bait me out of wasting my mind bug? And um, and then, then the whole kind of shtick is that the art is like, it's almost like dad jokes. It's got like funny looking jungle animals that are, you know, hybridized. And um, I can't think of any of the, clearly none of the jokes were really funny to me, but it's like, you know, the the shield bug would, would be like a beetle looking thing that its wings are literally shields. Right. And it's just like stuff like that. So, uh, interesting, definitely. I mean, it's not very expensive. So it, it's one that was a kind of a good little travel game for, if you got two players. Right. Uh, and then the last short one I'll mention, which was one that had been on my interested to try list. And I think ended up being my 10 year old and probably Trevor's 12 year olds. Most played game of the con was a game called Ono volcano. That is uh, should probably just be called, hey, would you like to frustrate yourself constantly? Have I got a game for you? Um, it is basically um, competitive Plinko. Like you <laughs> competitive are, Plinko. That's how I would describe it. Like you're, <laughs> That's probably right, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're climbers that are trying to get to certain spots on a mountain, and the mountain is, is basically a Plinko board. So you play cards to be able to move your climbers, and you're trying to get to these gems that are printed on the board. And then at the end of every turn, you have to drop a lava ball, a marble, down the Plinko track. And that's where you have to drop it is dependent on the card that you played. And so inevitably, at least every time I played it with him, it's like I've moved my climbers into a spot where I think they're safe under a shelf. And the ball inevitably bounces and hits my climbers about three times. And then, you know, I have to start over every time. So it's it's cleverly produced um and then i will uh let trevor report on some of his games but the we should at some point of course report on i think the only game he and i played together over the whole week which was dune dune imperium uprising uh that is not true i played fit to print as well with you mm, okay good call which we've already talked about in last yeah. week's episode it's true, we did. Um, so I'll briefly give my comments on it because the the time that he mentioned um, um, is the time that I played, and um, I like it better than Galaxy Trucker. I'm not. Sh- I needed to ask my wife whether she did or not because she loves Galaxy Trucker, um, but she definitely played multiple games of Fit to Print later in the in the um, week. So we played quite a bit of it, um, and uh, it was it was good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, yeah. I, I, did you mention the, the advertising mechanic? Which, no, which, I think I did, for, which is brilliant. Yeah, I think I did forget to mention it. Yeah, and it's the thing that always caught me off guard. So all the other things that Josh mentioned, the pictures, the articles, et cetera, that he mentioned last week, um, they score you victory points. But the person who advertises the least, if you, have, you, you play advertisements on your paper as well, and they have a dollar value on them. But at the end of the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh rotation the player who has the least amount of advertising dollars goes out of business right they didn't they didn't advertise enough so regardless if you got the most if you got the most victory points but the least advertising dollars you, your score gets kicked out and i struggled with that and ev- i played this three times throughout the weekend okay um and i struggled every time with advertising dollars because i would pick up you know you pick up a tile and look at it and go well that's worth no victory points I'll set it off to the side, you know, and I, I would grab a few ads. I'm like, oh, crap, you know, I've got to grab ads. Um, and, and I didn't get kicked out having the lowest advertising dollars every time. But I will say there were multiple times where during the Sunday edition of the paper where I feel like you can score the most points. I was instead looking for the most advertising <laughs> to, to try to make sure that I didn't get kicked out of the game. Yeah. Uh, so 
it's it's definitely an that's an interesting mechanic of you know you can't completely ignore these secondary victory points that don't count for anything unless you end up last right so anyway i i thought that was quite good so yeah uh dune uprising dune imperium uprising we played a six-player game of it right which you can't do with the original dune imperium so in uprising in a six-player game two of the characters are commanders and they basically have um some special uh they have a special deck and they have special agents that when they play their agents they give a portion of their benefits to one or the other of their allies depending on which agent they play so uh i i will say i mean i think it was a mistake to play this six player uh just for the first time you know what i mean but because it, it ended up taking a lot longer than I think it would have if we were just playing the 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 basic game. Could you can you play the game basic game six player or is this the only no. option? No, yeah, six that's players? the only way to do six player, right? Oh, yes. I see. So that was kind of why we chose to do that, right? But I I just think for a first time it'd be better to play it. It's kind of interesting because I'm like I don't really understand why they released this. So like money, I assume. Yeah, well, you're right. Okay, thank you, Jay, for uh, <laughs> important answers to me. I I probably needed that. Like, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's fun because it kind of is like the art and stuff is clearly from the next movie, which isn't out yet. So that's kind of funny. And some of the mechanics are um, interesting in different ways. I guess is how I'd say it, right, Trevor? Like the the spies is interesting in different ways. Um, the contracts is again interesting in different ways. I, I thought the most interesting part of the six-player game was the two, was the um, the commanders. Yeah, the commanders, the emperor versus um, Moadib. Moadib. I, I thought it added quite a bit because they had a lot that they could do to help the team, and I did enjoy the six-player implementation. I thought it was fun, and I would like to do it again. Um, but it's definitely a completely different game, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because it's I mean it's interesting cuz when the when the end game triggers which which is the same way that it does um normally which is somebody hits 10 points, like you look at you look at the team all three players combined uh points and that's the that's the team's final score. So I mean that that in and of itself is kind of interesting. Which I I will you know spoiler alert we the, the when the game ended the team that won won by one victory point yep yeah which which um that's pretty impressive to me to have you know six players all doing their own thing all combining into two different teams and having the game end within one victory point so you know pretty well done there on the balance uh all right what do you got next trevor um so what i played after that was a a miniatures game a two-player miniatures game called trick shot um so trick shot is a hockey miniatures game and it it came on kickstarter i want to say two years ago and i was super tempted at the time it's got it's got painted minis and they're pretty well done and the mechanics are pretty easy to understand. It, I thought it would be a great game for my son and I to play. Um, and um, I just backed out because I, I think the price point was just a little bit more than I was willing to spend at the time, and uh, which is funny because I ended up backing um, some miniatures games after that where I spent six times as much. But um, anyway, I just I just sort of decided to to 
to leave it and not not back it and then i saw somebody playing it at the con and i told my son i said i said see that game and i pointed it out i said if you can get that game out of the um out of the library you know if you see it in there pull it out and we'll play it together and he he while we were playing uh dune uprising um he had grabbed it um so we uh we sat down and played it and i i think it does a really good job of the ebb and flow of a hockey game right there's there's sort of this um aspect of hockey where one team has control of the puck and they sort of push the um the tempo and then there's usually a break where they lose the puck or they score and the tempo switches immediately to the other team as they move you know down the ice towards the other um or the tempo resets right because they do a, a face-off and this game does a really good job of doing that does it perfectly you know represent hockey in a miniatures format no and it, it i don't think it's intent ever is to do that there's some curiosity about the game um for example you know uh if you know hockey offsides your the puck is supposed to be the first thing to go across the blue line right well um in, in it works that way in trick shot but if like you take the puck across the line with your player and then the puck gets taken from you and then the puck gets thrown back down the ice and then you steal the puck back and your player because of the way the alternating activations work your player's still behind the blue line there's nothing that stops you from passing it to him past the blue line. So it doesn't it doesn't necessarily represent hockey exactly, but I think it does a really good job of giving you a two-player game that you can sit down and in, say, uh, 40 minutes play a whole hockey game with somebody else, especially once you know the rules. Um, we didn't play with all the kind of the expansion rules. There's a, like a stadium and, and teams and stuff that get added in, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was definitely um, eye-catching. I, I yeah. basically just walked by and saw. It has great, great table presence. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, we had tons of people stop and go, what's this? What's this? Like, it it just looks good on the table. It looks fantastic. The ice is, is nice, the, the board that you play it on, the miniatures. It, it just looks great. And I've seen on Board Game Geek where people have 3D printed their um, stadiums and 3D printed the uh, the nets and just they've you know dressed it up even more and it just it looks fantastic on the table so uh so after that we played russian railroads which um i knew that um russian railroads and that, that whole genre, that whole series there's multiple ultimate railroads and a bunch of others um had gotten reasonable um reviews and um i don't know what it is about board game arena but it's really pushed me towards more euro style games I've stopped. I won't want to say stop, but I've, I've, my interest in the Meritrash has lessened, and I've just been in this like engine building kick. I think Carnegie sort of kicked it off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, played a lot of Carnegie. Um, we're playing Nippon right now. Which I'm um, ready to go back to Carnegie for the record. Yeah. Um, uh, we. Is I've this, been playing. Is this like Trevor's plea for help that he's been kidnapped? <laughs> it might be actually. It might be. Um, I've played a ton of barrage. I played Josh a bunch of barrage, and then he st- he we moved on. But I, my wife and I continued to play barrage. Um, I've just been playing tons and tons of of kind of heavy engine building Euro games. Um, so 
so Russian railroads, I was like, well, I'm going to give it a shot. And I saw it on the shelf and I was like, and I thought, you know, it's, it's a theme that I thought my wife would like. She's a kind of a big fan of train games. And so we broke it out and, and um, somehow uh, I got my wife to read the rules, which is a rarity, but uh, we were playing trick shot with my son. And so I, I tr- kind of convinced her to you know read the rules while we were doing that so that we could jump in. Um, and she did a great job teaching it, which she always worries that she's not doing a very good job teaching, but she did a good job. We, we ended up playing, although we did miss one rule, which, um, I figured out afterwards. Um, but anyway, we, we, um, we played Russian railroads and it was fantastic. My, my daughter and my wife hated it. Um, because I, uh, doubled and, yeah, doubled and or tripled their score. Um, and it was pretty clear pretty early on how bad it was going to be for them. And so they kind of. My daughter, especially, she kind of checked out. Um, my wife still enjoyed it. She just realized that she was losing. Um, so anyway, Russian railroads. I think it's fantastic. Um, it's not. It, it's not really as much of a railroad game as I thought I was getting into. It's more of a just an engine building uh, worker placement. It's, it's really a strong worker placement game. Yeah, um, with that with that mm. theme sort of lightly. Yeah, the theme brushed onto it. Lightly brushed on top, but it's more of a. It's more of a engine building worker placement, and it does it really well. I I was very impressed. Um, and then I learned after the fact that it is on Board Game Arena. So once we got back, I started a game with board on a Board Game Arena with Josh and my wife, and we're currently playing that game. So and unlike in Nippon, I'm currently getting my face kicked in in that one. Uh, let's see. So I will mention three games that we played on our third day at the con. I think that's where I'm at. Uh, one is going to be my wife's favorite game of the con. And then the other is probably going to be her least favorite game of the con. So that's fun. Um, but unrelated, my son, it is funny to have your kids and have them go to the library with like independence and agency and see what they bring back Uh, so he he brought back a game that was in the hot games area or the new games shelves i should say called lecker lava and it is about baby dragons eating lava or magma balls as they roll down out of a, a volcano so the mechanic of this is it's kind of a dexterity game i guess it's you know those arcade games the ones where you don't ever get as many tickets as you want that you drop a coin down a slot and it lands on another pile of coins and those coins are kind of moving back and forth and eventually some of them might get pushed off the edge. So it's that mechanic with wooden discs and you're pushing these wooden discs into these lava channels where you can't see where they're going to go. And, and so every turn you're putting your little dragons on, um, you're putting little dragons on one end of the lava channels and then pushing lava balls into whatever channels you want only you can't push them in the ones where the dragons are waiting. And so eventually the lava balls will start the discs. I should call them. They'll start dropping out and ending up in dragon's mouth. Anyway, great little kids game. I, I bet my, I bet my 10 year old played it. Like if he, if, if, if I, if he told me 10 times, I wouldn't be surprised, but at least half a dozen times over the course of the con. So, uh, so then the next game, my, uh, my most environmentally conscious daughter was there with us and, uh, her eye was caught by a new Pandasaurus game called Emerge, which um, it turns out my friendly local game store is working on ordering me a copy of that right now, which is very exciting. So Emerge, you play um, scientists who have discovered a new 
a chain of islands and you're exploring these islands sort of like a i guess darwin on his journey right and so the mechanic of the game is you have um i think i think you start with four dice and over the course of the game you'll get more and more dice up to eight and at the start of a round you'll roll the dice and then you know group them by what numbers are on the are on them and whatever the numbers are on the dice gives you the ability to do um, I think there's six different actions. So there's actions like discover the plants on an island, um, discover the crabs on an island, discover the the um, what comes after crabs. I think it's it's not birds. Well, no, I can't remember. And then there's seals, crabs. Can't think of the one other animal. And uh, oh, turtles. So turtles and uh, seals and then birds. And then there's an action that lets you grow the island. So it's uh, you know allegedly you're you're exploring these islands you're learning more and more about them and um by the end of the game when you score your islands get um they they're worth points equal to the number of different animal tokens that are on them times the height of the island which the highest island can be three high and so anyway it's a pretty like i, I want to call it just kind of a soothing um uh dice management slash a little bit worker placement game and the, it's it's got a really kind of pleasing color palette to it and so yeah my family played it multiple times over the weekend again and it was like apparently my wife's favorite game so then um we're rushing we're, we're getting close to where i need to run to the airport again which uh if you'll recall from last episode was not actually connected to the airport or not actually connected to the convention um anyway and so we wanted to play one last game. And, of course, some of the fun slash potential heartbreak of, of going to a con like BGG Con is that you're always on the lookout for the library. You know, can I can I get a copy of that hot new game so I can try it out or whatever? And the one that we had – one of the ones we'd had our eye on was one called The Fox Experiment, which apparently is by the same designer of, like, Wingspan and stuff. So this is based on a um, – I think I have that arriving next week. It releases – Oh, my gosh general release next week i need it but you'll have to never show my wife that i own it because i'm dying to play it again but um (laughs) but what happened is uh, so two things so here it was it was suddenly available from the library this is also by pandasaurus games i should mention and um apparently this is based on a experiment that happened in um soviet russia in 1958 uh, on these scientists were basically breeding foxes to try to get them domesticated, right? And so the game, in the game, you're you're drafting, you know, ma- female foxes and male foxes and then breeding them. And depending on some dice that you roll, um, you know, based on the parentage, you're going to generate cubs. And so the new, the new cubs have a, a cards with traits on them and you get to mark off certain traits, like with a dry erase marker, based on what you rolled and then of course naming the cubs is a ton of fun uh one of my first cubs was of course named rag rats because it was a terrible role and i'm a i'm a terrible fox breeder apparently You're full of rag rats yes i was very much full of rag rats anyway it's it's really pretty it's um and you're you're scoring points over the course of the game by essentially getting um enough of a certain trait to by the next ability slash point uh, in about four different rows um 
anyway, I was uh, I was trying to teach it at like warp speed because I knew that I was going to have to oh. leave to get my other kids from the airport. And matter of fact, they landed like 20 minutes earlier than we expected. And so it was like we didn't actually finish the game. Um, and my wife was just like she was grouchy after that. I mean, she was like she just she doesn't like to be rushed, I think, to learn rules and and mm. learning them from me is probably even worse. Anyway, it's it's a good game. It's uh, a credit again to Elizabeth Hargrave, the designer. I, I think I think it's well worth your time. And like I said, I, I definitely want to play it again, but don't try to do it in a rushed fashion. <laughs> so. this, this is this is the one game that I regret um, not getting played at Board Game Geek. Um, my daughter really wanted to play it, and and um, we just never never got it to the table. So. Oh, and one of the things I don't think I I mentioned or did a good job telling is like those the pups that you breed they then become potential mothers and fathers for the next generation of breeding, right? So you play five generations of f- foxes essentially, and so anyway, it's it's cool. All right, Trevor, that was uh, that was my Friday because. Then by the time I got to the airport, picked up my children. If you'll recall from last episode, I had to feed them. And, you know, by the time <laughs> the feeding happened and we got everybody situated, there were no more games that night. So I don't think. Maybe we played Ensemble. Sorry, what? which night was it? This was Friday night? Yeah, this was Friday night. Yep. Okay, so Friday night. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I'm way behind you. That's um, fine. Yeah, well, that's because you played more games than me because you were a better con attendee. Let's just be honest. So on Friday, however, it was at uh, 12.30 at night, so basically Thursday night, I played Ancient Knowledge with your father and your brother. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this is one I regret not playing, but I own it already, so I'm not as sad. Um, so Ancient Knowledge is a... It's it's also on the hotness list on Board Game Geek. Yeah. So um, it, it's a, I don't know how to explain it, Ta- tableau building. It's like a reverse tableau builder. Yeah, reverse it? tableau building. So you build you build things in particular eras, and then at the end of your turn, everything moves down one era, and then when they get to zero, they, are, um, they become uh, destroyed. They get removed from your tableau, and you no longer have them power. So if you play something in play that you... You only have a limited amount of turns before that card's power goes away, and and there's some cards that have some pretty cool powers that you want to keep in play, and there are ways that you can manipulate the tableau to move them back up. But the scoring cards are based on the cards you have in basically the the discard area. So you know while you may want to manipulate your tableau and get your cards back into play or keep them into play longer, um, there's some benefit to letting them fall off. Additionally, um, when a card goes into play, it usually comes into play with what's called ancient knowledge on it. Um, there's just some knowledge tokens that go on top of them, and you there if you let them fall off, um, they become negative points. Um, there's no bonus for getting them off. Um, they just you just don't want them to stay on the the thing until they fall off. Um, however, Josh will love this part. There are plenty of ways to turn this knowledge into bonus points, and your brother won by basically going whole hog into taking as many negative knowledge tokens as he could. 
<laughs> and then um, finding all of the scoring cards that gave him points for having that many negative. And there's some big there's some big scoring cards, but the fact that your father and I weren't playing that strategy against him played into his hand, allowing him to grab every single one that right that would score because we were looking at it going, well, this does me no good, right? Mm, but yeah, to yeah. him. But to him, there's nobody else at the table pursuing that um, particular strategy, so he was able to stack them up pretty heavily. So do you need some hate draft then in your life for this game? I don't know. I mean, um, I'm not sure what the best player count is. I would feel like it would be better at four, um, and I don't know how many people it plays, so we, we played it at three. And I think it could have easily bit him. Like the opposite could have happened. He could have went whole hog into getting all these negative points and trying to find the achievements to to do so, and not found the achievements. I don't know without looking through the deck. I didn't really, you know, get a good time to look through it. Um, I thought that this game was interesting. Um, I don't necessarily understand the hubbub about it. Like I don't necessarily understand why it's on the hotness. I think it's, I think it's a game that will be forgotten in a couple of years. It, it is not timeless like I some mean, of the other. In fairness, the number of games that aren't forgotten in a couple of years, like I know, year, there's like maybe one or two games that <laughs> out of I, thousands. I know. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. But this one, I would not. I, this is not even one where like two three years down the road, if you said let's play some ancient knowledge, I'd be like, eh, no, yeah, I I'm not into that. It just it it is interesting now, and I'd love to play it again. Um. But um, Does I, don't, the, uh, I don't think there's anything special about it. I is guess the civilization theme pretty? Um, it's very pretty light. thin. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's way. Too, that's probably the. Maybe that's why I didn't really. Connect that's with probably it. the thing that's most disappointing about it, then, because I mean, look, I'll be honest. This is why I bought it. Yeah, I know, and I think you're going to be. You might. I think you're going to enjoy some of the ways that you can score points, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to scratch the itch of a kingdom builder because it definitely does not do that sure um <laughs> well carry on trevor because i think i have m- many fewer games to uh <laughs> to report on than you okay um so the next game that i played is expeditions um which has been billed as the sequel to scythe i guess it is um, it's the scythe the adventure game right yeah, that, I mean, I hate that description though because it's really. Do you? Hard. Oh shoot! Okay, carry on. Um, that was what I was hoping for, and that's not at all what I got. I one of the things I always loved about Scythe, and I think it's one of the things that a lot of people have really enjoyed, is the adventure cards. Right? You you go you come to a new location, you flip over the token, or you grab the token, and you get a new card. And or on the super card, there's cool art. Yeah, there's super cool art on the picture. And um, there's no description to the picture. It's just it gives you a scenario with a picture, and then it gives you three options. Like there might you might the picture might be um, you with a bear and a farmer, and it might say feed the farmer to the bear, gain two food. Uh, you know, you know, uh, shoot the bear, um, get rewarded from the farmer. I'm I'm just making these up. These are these are not even close. But get to get to you know money from the farmer for saving him or, or um, shoot both the bear and the farmer get to steal the two money and get the two food. It's usually something like that. There's usually uh, something minor, something that's more major, um, but is requires a little bit of a sacrifice. And then the big one is like a massive sacrifice. Cause it like that, that would normally like lose you some favor. 
anyway, the, the that was what I was sold is that this game was all that. It was going to be 100% that, and it is 0% that. <laughs> Jeez. There is there's no fluff to the it is this is a pure euro move your figure complete actions gain um uh resources turn the resources in it is 100% euro there is um very little theme um there's no fighting um there's you you're you're moving your your PC move around the board as a mech but there's there's no fighting like there is in scythe not that i want that i just i wanted to feel like i was going on an adventure in this world and that is not at all what i got instead i just got a a euro game that uh, again is a game that you'll probably forget after a few years so because it doesn't it doesn't do that particularly well you know not better than many of the other euros out there that do it really well so it, it is it fun yeah it was a great game i enjoyed it i had a lot of fun um i thought the mechanics were solid it just wasn't what I was billed. It wasn't what I hoped for. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, we've got about five, six minutes left. Are there any games you guys want to speed round through? I do. I got one I definitely want to mention. So this was second to last night of the con, or day of the con. Um, I I don't even remember why I decided to grab this one, but I feel like I've been seeing it like advertised on Instagram or whatever. It, anyway, it's a it's a game called Empire's End, and uh, my description of it is no thanks goes to college. So, have well, I know you have, Trevor. Have you played No Thanks, Jay? Um, I I don't remember. So No Thanks is a you have a deck of cards. They're valued three through thirty four. And um, and then everybody has chips and the chips are um, you start with 11. The chips are negative points. And the object of the game is to have the lowest score at the end of the game. And so the mechanic is that we flip over one card. And, and for the record, you take nine cards out of the deck. So you don't know exactly what cards are or not in the deck. You flip over one card and on your turn, you either take the card and any chips that are on it. Or you put a chip on it and say, no, thanks. I don't want it, right? And so you go around a lot of times, especially with the higher numbered cards, and they'll build up quite a lot of chips, and then somebody will take them. And then the other shtick with no thanks is that if you get a run of cards, you only have to count the lowest one. So if you have the you know, 23 through 25, that actually is only 23 points, and you're ignoring the other 49 points. So, so that's no thanks, right? Pretty simple, easy filler. Well, so Empire's End, you are managing a, a, an empire that you know looks like it's in the ancient Roman times. The barbarians are at the gates, right? And you walk through a series of turns, and the most of the turns are disaster turns, where like no thanks, you turn over a card that's a disaster, and it's going to affect one of the – I think there's uh, 11 locations in your kingdom, and everybody has – everybody starts with the same – locations in the same place but there are mechanics in the game that might move them around but anyway you turn over disaster and it says like okay location five is going to be destroyed and then you but you can prevent that by bidding on this disaster like and and you're either going to pay i think there's a wheat resource there's axes and hammers and then coins are wilds right and so you you again you're going around the table you're bidding just like no thanks no thanks and and that that disaster will stack up with resources until somebody takes it 
and they'll get the resources and then they'll have to destroy the location in their kingdom where it said. But then they, the other thing they get is that disaster has a little, they call it an innovation, and it's kind of a little bonus power that you get to stick under one of your other locations and kind of level it up a, t- a little bit. And so, you know, rinse, repeat. There's some other turns, like there's there's economy turns where your kingdom will generate some resources and there's industry turns where you have an opportunity to build additional innovations throughout your kingdom. Um, so really interesting kind of use of that mechanic, you know, with a little bit more advanced game. Uh, I, I really enjoyed playing it. I, we did feel like it may be overstated. So welcome just a little bit. And it was funny cause I realized as we got towards the end of the game, there's a, there's a, they call it a lightning version of the game where you basically start earlier or you start down the track further. So essentially you play less turns or whatever right anyway gorgeous artwork um really interesting like i said use of that mechanic in a slight kind of a more advanced game but that so that was empire's end so that's probably the last one i will share um so i have enough games for a whole nother episode so i'm i'm wondering um, i'm wondering if we should do i have a rant oh wow geez closing out with a rant that's what the people come for I'm wondering if I should do it now or save it for later. How about you give us a tease mm, yes. of what your rant is going to be about. Okay. So and... during the during the con, I read the rules to three, <laughs> three games, three different games, which I did not play. Okay. That sounds like not a great use of time. It's true. <laughs> one, one of those games I spent multiple hours setting up and did not play. <laughs> Is the rant about that one specific game? No, it's about all three. Oh, all right. Well, it was really but, exciting. But about but my focus the rant will, about the one. My focus will be on the one. Excellent. Well, I'm I am excited for that because uh, I I must admit I when when I heard the story of this game, <laughs> it completely baffled me. <laughs> um, the part that will really baffle you is I still want to play it. I am indeed baffled. <laughs> Bafflement increases. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and, and pause there. And uh, you guys can let us know what you guys think if you've played any of these games. And we would love to hear.